Welcome back to Calvary Life. This is our Calvary podcast aimed at the needs of a local church, particularly our local church, Calvary Baptist Church, but because we have so much in common with so many other churches and places like ours, what we say probably has something to do with your church setting too. So if there's anything we offer today that's beneficial, anything that would be helpful to you, it's set in the context of our church and our community, the Wiregrass, but we hope, hope it'll be helpful to you. I'm Paul Thompson. I'm Charles Uptain. Glad you're here today. Charles, I'm going to let you introduce our very special guest today. Yeah, today, so we have somebody special with us. Uh, one of our long-term uh, local mission partners that we've had is Wiregrass Hope Group. And uh, so today, today we have our executive director, Amy, with us, Amy Edge. Amy, just tell us a little bit, I guess, first of all, as we kind of interviewed you, tell us what you have been doing as the executive director at Wiregrass Hope. What are your main responsibilities? Just introduce yourself, basically. Okay. I'm Amy Edge, and as the executive director, I've been the executive director for about six years, really sort of just leading the organization vision-wise and leading our staff and reporting to a board and really reporting and being responsible to our community because we are supported financially by the community, so making sure all our financials are in order and and that we are stewarding the gifts that are provided to us and providing services to the community. So that's really kind of, I mean, my heart, I love to focus on the staff and um, and share just kind of what's going on in this realm and the pregnancy center world. Yeah, speaking of that, Wiregrass Hope Group, would you say that the Wiregrass Hope Group has really three main areas, or what would you say are the main focuses of Wiregrass Hope Group? Well, I would say that we're a pregnancy resource center, so we're offering resources to someone who's pregnant, which includes a free pregnancy test and ultrasound um, and conversations with her if she's super distressed about being pregnant. Yeah. And then also we have parenting programs. So we have like a pregnancy program, a fatherhood program, and an after-baby program. And then separate from that sort of but yet combined is our counseling arena where we have some licensed counselors and we're offering free counseling to our clients, which we love that because that's a great combo to kind of meet a lot of their needs at once and see a lot of life change for people. Um, but that's also open to the community somewhat as long as sometimes we have a waiting list. But um, so the counseling is a piece of what we do as well. Yeah. So um, mainly, I guess our conversation today that we wanted to have with you is it really spawns out of a, a conversation that I've heard you have with other pastors at our association office one day. And it just really, I thought you hit it very well the idea that, you know, Roe v. Wade, we're past that, as in it's been where it's not on the books anymore. It's not something that we as a country go by, but that this fight towards abortion and the pro-life movement is still very active. And so can you just speak to to that uh, part of, of what you do when it comes to pro-life stances and things like that? Yeah, so obviously that was a monumental um, moment when Roe v. Wade was overturned. And I think kind of we kind of forget— what it was and how it's changed us. But before that, basically no state in our country could have a law in the books that would allow you to prohibit abortion before 24 weeks. So it's pretty significant if you think about it. Like no state can have a law that says that. So when Roe v. Wade is overturned, then basically what they did is they didn't say abortion's right or wrong. They said, we believe this is a decision to be handled by the states. So it went back to the states and you have this wide range um, of options across our country. Literally, um, you know, there's, I think it was New Mexico that I looked at today that you can have, um, an abortion up to the moment of birth. 
So she can be 39 weeks in that state and have an abortion. Um, in our state, obviously, we um, the day that Roe v. We had a law ready. Yeah. Um, so when Roe v. Wade was overturned, the state of Alabama had a law that went into effect immediately that said it was illegal to have an abortion. Um but it's still a huge issue because, I mean, presently you could go to Georgia or Florida to have an abortion. And a lot of our people went to Florida even before Roe v. Wade. So yeah. um, I'm thankful we live in a state that's pro-life and has a very strong pro-life um I think, ethic as a state, but it's still very easy for someone to get an abortion. And so I think we just forget that this issue is really top of mind for a lot of people when they find themselves in a crisis. And then you have um, this, this aspect a lot of people don't realize is during COVID, one of the things that the FDA did is they they kind of changed all the restrictions for what we call an abortion pill, and they made it all of a sudden where it could be done by telehealth. So you sort of opened up this whole world, um, really and almost in a way you opened up this whole criminal world that, like, I can just lie to you on telehealth. Basically, they're not doing an ultrasound to find out how far along you are. Yeah. And not to get too detailed, but, I mean, with an abortion pill – um, for sure you shouldn't be doing that type of abortion past 10 weeks, but now we're doing that telehealth. There's no right. way to know. I mean, we do uh, ultrasounds with people all the time, and they're very unaware of how far along they are. So, so that's kind of a workaround even in the state of Alabama then, right? Somebody can be doing that telehealth sure. with a physician from somewhere else, a pseudo-physician, whatever, and have that done here. Right. So like you were just mentioning, that that bill was ready and was voted in. We do have a, we do have a right-leaning you know, uh, Congress here. Um, but how easy would that be to overturn? I mean, you know, I, I know some states are talking about uh, really embedding this in their constitution, the right to abortion, et cetera. Um, and I'm sorry to turn the question politically, but for those you know, who want to know, all right, what are some practical things I can be doing? Well, part of this might be p- political. How do we keep that where it is right now in our own state? If, if for nothing else, how do we protect that law keeping it in our state? I think I would just be aware of the people that I was voting for and what their stance was on these particular issues, because you're right, it can be changed. Um, and so um, we've had a very pro-life state in terms of our the law that went into effect that basically completely outlawed abortions um, apart from really the life and health of the mother. Um, so... It really just politically, I would say it is still an issue in terms of that always that possibility that we see all these other states that are trying to do things that are more permanent. Um, so I, mean, I feel like we're in a good spot right now from that perspective for our state. But again, I, I think for me personally, it's just like the issue is so much more needs to be like embedded into our own families and our own discourses and our own churches and all that kind of stuff because we're raising a generation of people that are being raised um, by the culture. Yeah. If we've got kids spending five hours a day on devices or whatever the normal child is doing, they're being taught a whole lot of stuff about a whole lot of things. Yeah, I'm thinking the the ultimate point, the ultimate aim is not going to be achieved politically because I'm assuming that with the reversal of Roe v. Wade, it probably did not change the number of people that you're seeing that are coming in to Wiregrass Hope. It doesn't change the number of, of young women in distress. didn't change the circumstances. didn't change the culture. didn't change the need. So... And what would you, if you're speaking to 
people who are active in their churches right now, and this is something that matters to them. You know, they believe they believe God created life, and that life begins at conception, and God is sovereign over the womb, and knows us even in our in our mother's wombs before we're born, and all those things that we teach and and compel our people, challenge our people to believe, but they want to do something. What can they be doing? What's what's practical? Like, I mean, and feel free to to tell us specific needs, even at Wiregrass Hope Group, where volunteers are needed, or finances are needed, or or even just practical things. What can they be doing in their own church or their own home or whatever it may be? What, how would you challenge people to do something? Um, I think I would start with their own dinner table and um, what do those conversations sound like and are they just assuming because their child is being raised in the church that they have a pro-life ethic or that they've even thought through what that means, you know, and and the reasons for that and maybe even what the verses are that we would think about this, you know. I, I had somebody tell me just yesterday it was a, a classroom of kids and there was only two kids in the class a lot of church going kids who who had a pro-life ethic and and then one of the person's son came home and it was like mom I needed you like with some verses and she was like well how about let's just start with thou shalt not kill you know and it's just like wow we just forget that that we're talking about sort of an innocent life and I think when we start really with the value of life in our own homes and when we communicate the value of all lives, if we're sitting around the dinner table degrading certain groups of people or anything like that, it's, it's like slippery slope to like some lives matter, some don't. We can say that, um, you know, the development of someone doesn't, like if someone has, like I had a dad that had Alzheimer's, you know, are we going to say that developmentally, well, okay, you're you're done or, or whatever, what, what are we saying about those things and having conversations um, with our own families about what we believe and why we believe it and just in general, like the sadness to me of like some of the photographs and a lot of the things we saw around the overturning of Roe v. Wade, this one photograph that stuck with me is like a picture of a woman holding a baby with like tape wrapped around her wrist. And I'm like, this is what we think about parenting. Like, and we don't, and we do it, honestly, y'all, we do it, all do it in the church and all the things we make the jokes about marriages and, and all the things, but it's just like, is it an incredible blessing? I mean, like, should marriage be honored by all, right? And and then and then child rearing is that not like the greatest joy of your life? Even though, yes, is it challenging and hard? But like the joy, like I love my kids, I would do anything for them. So, you know, it, it's the messaging too that we're engaged in, kind of, and even in our homes, and also. I want to say this one thought is just too how we're talking to our kids about when they find themselves in crisis. So if like the most, and I'm kind of guilty of this, honestly, like when my kids were growing up, it's like the worst thing ever might be if you got drunk or had sex, you know? And, and so it's like, if that's what I'm telling them all the time, well, when they've made these choices and they're in trouble, are they afraid of me then? Or did I somehow establish this relationship that said, these are not the best choices for you. I know this isn't what God wants for you, but I am for you, period. Whatever situation you find yourself in, I'm here for you, rather than the stats that we have of people that sat in churches and then have abortions. Are the stats pretty similar? Churched and unchurched, secular and religious, in terms of people who choose to have abortion? You know, are they fairly close? Would we be surprised at how close they are? I don't know. I've seen the stat a lot of times that like 25% of the people that had an abortion sat in a church service last Sunday. So I've seen that statistic. Um, and we definitely have 
people that are afraid, and one of the reasons they're they're afraid, if they, even if they are a church person, is what is that going to look like to my church community? And it's almost better to just do something that feels quiet, like have an abortion. And I'm sure some of the the counseling that's provided there is helping people take the long view on God's goodness and God's grace, and things that we think just ruin everything for us. Or I, you know, this is going to change everything. This is going to it's going to mess up my life, my future, helping people understand um, the God of second chances and third and fourth and what God has in store, what God has, what, what God does in redemption, you know, the, the dynamic grace of God. That's what does God do for any of us and all of us when we failed, that none of us, none of us are on the perfect life trajectory. So how has God in his dynamic application of grace to our failures and our choices and our missteps and our less than stellar decisions and all those things along the way. How has God um, responded to that? Um, tell us some needs that people, like people at Calvary and people in the Wiregrass, other folks. What are some needs they could meet at Wiregrass Hope? Are there some things? Are there some gaps that could be filled? Some some needs that are unmet that could be. Um, well, I'll start with real simple, and that would just be that diapers and wipes are always in need. Um, <laughs> so larger size diapers are always awesome. And you guys have been great at Calvary, too. You did a diaper drive for us through your VBS and, and showing up with, with lots of diapers. So that's a huge um, blessing. Um, and I would say maybe a little bit bigger commitment would be being what we call a mentor. We have male and female mentors. And um, I just want to do a little shout out to, like, Miss Margaret, Miss Andre, um, I love them so much. And just listen, if you want somebody to come to know Jesus, Miss Andre is your gal. Um, <laughs> the times that somebody told me somebody prayed to receive Christ, and I would say who was with them, and it's like Miss Andre. Um, she probably doesn't wait very long to get to that point. <laughs> would be my guess. But I mean, there's a long list of folks that um, volunteer from Calvary, but. It is that is an incredible opportunity to sit with people um, on a regular basis and share your faith, share your wisdom. So if someone feels like they can sit across from a friend and share Jesus over coffee, um, then we can train you to sit with our people and love on them and build a relationship with them. So that that is always a need that we have, and I think people would find it an incredible growing opportunity for themselves and we're always going to take care of you and and coach you in that and and get you ready and also always be there to help um so that's a way and then i also know here Kristen kite one of you guys as members also is going to start a bible study um at the end of february she's got a room blocked off on wednesday night so she would love some help with that if anybody wants to um help her with that so those are kind of some of our big needs, and then also our boutique always, if somebody wants to, if they're good at organization, that can be helpful for us. But mentoring our clients is big, and um, and just and praying for us um, is, is a big thing, and, and just praying that God continues to protect and bless, as he has for 40 years at Wiregrass Hope. Well, um, <clears throat> one of the things, I guess the next step for us is a as a church, and we, we talked about this a little bit at that meeting that I talked about at the beginning about um, how how this side of things also fits into what we as a church and we as people want to be when it comes to uh, fostering and when it comes to mm-hmm. adoption and yes. those kind of things. Um, I, I know that that's not your realm of, of area of expertise, but I just thought that was so neat to think about you know, we don't we don't just stop now. Okay, we abortion has been where it's not legal everywhere. We're good. No, there's there's plenty of kids out there that still need our hand in helping them and those kind of things. 
for sure. So fostering, obviously, is just an amazing, wonderful way to serve God. And he's pretty clear in Scripture that us taking care of orphans is a big deal, right? So um, that is incredible. Um, adoption is something I would say that people should make it a matter of prayer that our hearts and minds change around adoption. Just so few people consider adoption. And really, if you think about the public discourse, it's never mentioned. Like it's, I mean, they will be talk all about how terrible it is for this woman to have a baby and you'll never hear them say the possibility that she could carry this child and place it for adoption and I've seen some beautiful adoption stories and and just where it's a joy yes is it a hard decision for that mom but it is a joy that they've brought that child into the world and there's so many different ways that adoptions happen nowadays it's not really some of the pictures from the past and there's a lot of confusion for people too when they're considering adoption that it's fostering, like your child going into a foster care system is very different from you picking the, the parents that your child will have, which is mm-hmm. a beautiful, amazing kind of idea if you think about it, that, you know, usually they have picture books where you're looking through families and making a decision of like, I'm going to pick the parents for my child because at this point in my life, I don't feel like I can parent them. So it is a really beautiful thing, but it, I think that, the enemy silences that conversation. And there's a lot of, you know, just community-wide where we don't have more respect and more conversation. Like, I feel like if we had, like, billboards that were like, adoption is beautiful, you know, um, to just kind of help in that realm. And maybe even some of our communication in church. So we're, not that we have to give this, but you know what I mean, just we're giving approval to this. We're saying that's that's not a failure on your part to say, I'm not able to do this, I'm too young, or I... You know, whatever, but to to bless that, I guess, no, yeah. to say this is a good thing, and and really again challenging people take take the long view here. Those things which are so hard now, those hard mm-hmm. good decisions, and the beauty of that in the long run, the, the long term payoff. I'm thinking of some of the some of the folks in our church who not only have adopted. I'm thinking right now on some of those who are my age or around who were adopted, and the life that God blessed them with, and the families God put them with and how God worked in their life and the people they are today. And, you know, so I think if the, you know, the more we can speak, I, I just, that just resonates with me. The more we can speak about that publicly, even from pulpits, it says, you know, this is, this is a good thing. This is a, this is an important thing. You know, Amy, I was thinking about this a little bit philosophically. Um, this is something we battle on a lot of different fronts. And so maybe this is kind of a wide ranging, but big overarching kind of concept. I think sometimes folks get a little, I don't know, we get a little passive towards this subject, life and protection of life and the unborn. And maybe we don't say it exactly, but it seems like this seems to be an increasing sentiment. Hey, that's just the times in which we live. There's nothing we can do about that. That's just the world that we live in. I mean, I find people giving that response, just lots of moral, ethical issues, which I think, which we think, are clear-cut biblically, that don't leave us any room to debate, that call us to, to action and response. You know, how do we respond to that, um, even if it seems like sometimes the tide might be turning? Like, for instance, we don't know how this November election is going to turn out, but we see that the issue of abortion is a battlefront issue. So what do we do? You know, how do we challenge, how do we challenge believers to, to not just go with the flow, go with the tide and say, look, that's just the world we live in. There's nothing we can do about that. I mean, it seems like even before Roe Ro v. Wade was overturned, that was sort of a sentiment of people. Hey, that's just that's that's just the way things are. 
Let's, let's address our issues. Let's, I mean, let's address our energy somewhere else. How do we challenge people that, you know, don't get weary of hearing this and, and you know, don't want you to get fatigued on the issue. This is important that we continue to talk about and do things that support life. I mean, how do we, how do we keep that in front of people? I guess that's kind of my challenge. And yeah. feel like we maybe we don't do enough, which is one of the reasons we wanted to come and talk to you today. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I think from a, a couple of thoughts, I mean, obviously, you know, scripturally, we really believe that God is the creator and giver of life and that life is beautiful and that we want to celebrate it and that it's a gift. And we have, you know, Jesus leaps in the womb, right? He was Jesus in there. It's not that he was going to become Jesus the second he was birthed into the world, right? I mean, so in the womb is that life that's been created at conception. And 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 so us seeing it that way and from a scripture perspective of you know, I, I honestly, and I think some of these things are sort of attacks on just Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created male and female. He created them. And then he said, go and fill the earth and subdue the earth together. And and so child rearing and that whole, and that whole notion has just been sort of under attack um, from then really throughout all of, of Scripture. I mean, you think about the murder of babies. I mean, just the Moses time, the Jesus time, all of that. And, and that life is just a gift from God that we're supposed to honor. But also thinking about the historical church um, this is in John Mark Comer's book, Live No Lies, which I just thought was so great, that he basically said, you know, there's a few ethics that have been a part of the church from the beginning. And the value of life and, and someone not having an abortion being one of them, and then also a sexual ethic that is God created sex for a man and a woman and committed. Yeah, because all this fits together. I mean, yeah, all this it, has to be interconnected. A, a, yeah. a biblical I, ethic of sex, gender creation i mean it all it all fits together you can't pull a piece out and then have a stable system it just collapses yeah yeah and i mean and so it's i i think all of that it's so foundational to sort of life overall that i just think it just makes so much sense that that's where the enemy aims some really really big targets and creates a lot of controversy now i will say because we do and we probably all had friends that like when roe v wade was overturned christian friends that were like yeah i don't know like you're saying you know um that there's this compassionate side, um, which we would want to celebrate, that we're looking at someone in a really difficult situation. And so we're saying, okay, you know, this worst case scenario situation. Um, but I think we have to, it goes back to kind of like, what are we communicating inside of our families and all of that, that, that life is precious no matter how it's created. And so from that point on, it needs to be protected. And that's why adoption is such a beautiful thing. You know, in this present situation, you don't, you don't necessarily have to raise that child. You can hand this, we all know this, you can hand this, this baby to a couple that has been begging God for a child yeah. <laughs> that loves Jesus and wants to raise this child. And so um, that's there. And I just think it's such a foundational issue. Again, just realizing, I remember years ago, and I, I had, was reading this book, and she was talking about Genesis 1 and kind of the attack on Genesis 1. And just ever since then, I'm like, it, it's just foundational um i think the again just the value of life and the ethic that 
it's for a man and a woman. It doesn't mean any of these are the unpardonable sins. That None of it is, right? That's what Jesus died for. Um, it's We want to love people no matter what situations that they're in, but it's so foundational, even just to like people's lives in general. These are huge issues. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you uh, something about Wireless Hope Group as in, um, something you and I have had conversations about, about church involvement in, in Wargrass Hope Group. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people that come there uh, that do have mentors, have different things, um, but we've had conversations about how we would like to see more churches, Calvary, other churches, more involved in, in not only being there for the people after the fact or during their going through, but also to be kind of people that... Per- push people to you when are needed and those kind of things. Can you think about or, or talk about that from a community aspect, um, you know, just how we can um, mention Wiregrass Hope Group when we hear things? Is there, is, do you see that as a need? Yeah, what do you want from, from other churches? And this is a chance uh, for any of those that are listening. What, what would you like to see churches in the area doing? I think overall, you know, when you talk about it from a community-wide perspective and those that are a part of the body of Christ, is that we should be looking for how we can encourage life wherever we are. And so, like you're saying, if you're in the grocery store and you see a struggling young mom, you could say, hey, Wiregrass Hope Group's on Westgate Parkway. They've got an after-baby program. Mm-hmm. Or um, or somebody you work with is pregnant um, and they're not excited about it. Or, you know, there's stressful situations that are surrounding that. Um, or not. I mean, we have some happily married couples that are coming through that want right. to learn how to be great parents. Um, so that's great, too. But I think that being top of mind, or if you have a, a friend whose child um, is concerned they're pregnant or they've become pregnant, or, you know, that could be um, a, a great opportunity to push them in that direction. And I just think, I think there's such a tension because it's like, if we're celebrating the baby and all of that, does that mean that we're also celebrating um, sex outside of marriage? So it's like this tension that we fall in on that. So we think, oh, well, I'm not supposed to celebrate that. But the fact of the matter is, is in some ways that's already happened. Um, and so there's a situation that we have that we need to encourage choices for life. And there can be conversations about what's happening in their lives as they continue either their relationship with this particular person or not, or whatever that looks like. Um, But we got to be real careful about that because Mm -hmm. like I said, literally, I mean, I can think of someone who actually worked in a church who came to us, went to Tallahassee to an abortion clinic, and then ended up coming back to us and having this beautiful, fabulous child that's like three or four years old now. But part of that fear was it was almost worse for them because it was like, I'm going to have to come back to my church family. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a community overall, not shunning people or turning our nose up, maybe it's a sin that you committed. Maybe it's not. Maybe a lot of people didn't have the consequences from those behaviors in their lives. I mean, and so um, just loving people through all those scenarios and just not really having a a judgmental stance kind of in this. We can we can know what we believe God's standard and ideal is and we can pray for that and promote that and but also knowing that um sexual sin has been going on for a really long time. And so um therefore we're always going to end up in situations where people are pregnant and scared or it wasn't a situation that they wanted. And so I think that 
kind of honoring people, pushing them towards Wiregrass Hope Group. Um, and I think churches developing, like one thing churches can do, there's a thing called Making Life Disciples that we have that we could help coach somebody through where you could have like a small group in your church who goes through a curriculum, who kind of understands how to love on someone in an unplanned pregnancy. And then they're sort of a resource for us that we can refer um our folks to come there, and then they're really prepared to handle that. But I would say even handling that within your own body, because it is going to come up in your own body. Mm-hmm. These are going to be your yeah. people. Your own family, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Where you're not condoning, but you're also not ignoring the reality. And, you know, it's similar to how we – it's similar – well, it should be similar to how we teach really anybody's recovery from any sin or moral failure. What's the next right thing to do? That's, that's you know, the – decision now in front of you what's the right thing to do now that's and that's all we have as we move forward now and and in repentance we receive grace and forgiveness and we say all right, right now I'm going to do this and and this challenge it's it is practical theology of the realest sort really you know because it's it's just it's raw and it affects people's real lives and they and it challenges them and so yeah I'm sure it's present and anyone who's listening from another church I know it's present in your church I know it's present in ours and and this is the reality and how we handle those things it says a lot about really our own theology too, how we understand grace and 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 the work of God. Any, Amy, any kind of last minute thing you'd want to say? I mean, we wanted to give you a chance to. We didn't really set this up as a commercial per se, but we want to give you a chance to promote whatever you want to promote regarding Wiregrass Hope and just this just this need in general. So we'll leave you with the parting words. Um, Wiregrass Hope Group is a really, really special, special spot. And I guess we mentioned it earlier and didn't know whether we were going to say it or not, but I I resigned recently from my position. Um, I'm going to go into counseling. I'm going to school to do that. So I'm planning on just using what God's given me in life to sit across from people one-on-one. So that's my plan as I move forward and get more gray hair. Um, But Wiregrass Hope Group is a beautiful place, and I – I've done some different things in my life, and that's the one place where I've just the whole time felt like I was stewarding this precious um, place that God had created and that someone had been there in my chair before me and would come behind me because it is a place that God genuinely loves because everyone is welcome there. We love everyone there. It doesn't matter what they look like. Um, smell like, what their situation was yesterday. We've had people that slept in our driveway when we pulled up in the morning and brought them in and and cared for them. And so um, we are really there to love on broken, hurting people. And I ran across a verse in the past year that just said that God was with the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And I was like, oh, wow, like I always thought God really loved what we did there. But then I was like, no, wow, God walks in with them. And and I think it's just an incredible privilege. Um, and, and we are so blessed, honestly, as a community to have a Wiregrass Hope Group. Not everybody yeah. has a Wiregrass Hope Group. And we have a place that somebody can come. I love the story, um, the video we had this past year that's going out to a lot of baby bottle um, churches is um, a client and her dad that kind of walked the journey together and basically came to us wanting to have an abortion and had an ultrasound and discovered it was a little girl and and, and thought, okay, like you were saying, Paul, it's not the end end of our lives to have this baby and now you know now they're holding this beautiful baby and that baby's like the cover of a calendar we made you know it's 
it is an amazing place for that, an amazing place to love on people and prepare people as a young family. And, and maybe that would be my parting shot, too, after just spending so much time at Wiregrass Hope Group is, like, the young family, like, investing and finding ways to invest in the young family. Um, so maybe you're teaching the three-year-olds at church, or maybe you're leading a Bible study for young moms. Maybe you're at Wiregrass Hope Group mentoring fathers or mothers. Um, maybe you're on the lookout at your church for that young single, the single mothers, hello. They need so much love and encouragement and support, um, and even single dads, but just tough tough journey. How do we come alongside them and bless them and sort of open our eyes to look for their needs? Because the young family is the future and and they're vulnerable, you know? And so it's that is a time I think that is, is worthy of all of our investment, whether it's our neighbors, our church friends, the person we see at the grocery store a lot, what, wherever they are, how do you love them? How do you care for them um, in the way that God's calling you to? Amy, if somebody wants to connect with Wiregrass Hope or they know someone that they want to put in touch with, what's the best way? I would just say they can just email me at director at wiregrasshope.com, um, and I can take care of that, and we can connect them up to find out about volunteer opportunities um, and, and whatever ways they want to connect. If anybody wants to donate, I will say this. Um, People who give to us monthly is a beautiful thing. I mean, you can go online and set up a $25 a month donation. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. I'm thankful for Calvary that supports us financially and churches that support us financially on a regular basis um, because that type of regular support enables us to, hey, guess what? Keep the lights on and hire people and (laughs) pay the money to come to work. Well, we'll put those links on the the website when we post this. So uh, website and and phone number, that sort of thing. So. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Amy. Yeah, Amy, thanks for coming and and just sitting down with us. And and thank you for your heart for this ministry and what you've done there. And uh, once again, this is Calvary Life, and uh, we are for God, for Dothan, and for the world.